0: Hey, I want to talk to you this morning and I'm going to just start with what is a woman and then I'm going to get to what is a mother just here for a little bit since we have a little bit of difficulty of defining things in our country today. However, I thought the I Am she video that uh, Starla and Hunter and some of our ladies put together for IMC a few years ago defines a woman better than anything I could do. Watch this.
1: She's a pillar, a foundation, a strength and support. A tower, a refuge, upholder and force. She's a champion, a warrior, she's the backbone we trust. An anchor, upholder, she's durable and tough. She's the power behind the strength that we need. She's the energy we draw from when we feel like we're weak. She's ambitious, victorious, tenacious and smart. She's competent, alert, forceful, all heart. She's beautiful, soft, tender, and sound. She's elegant, intelligent. She's gorgeous, profound. She's the glue, she's the calm, she's the peace in the storm. She's mighty, awesome, capable, and strong. She's confident, resolved, excellent, and glorious. She's a champion, triumphant, a winner, victorious. She is Esther beautiful though young in her years, bold and courageous enough to fight through her fears. She's Ruth, a widow yet devoted at all costs and selfless enough to fight through her loss. She is Hannah, barren, broken and childless, crying to the Lord, but she was not prayerless, desperate for an offspring to bring to her God. He answered her prayers and brought her a child. She's the woman at the well whose sin was made known. Yet she called on her Lord and her sin is now gone. She's the woman who was sick with the issue of blood, determined and fearless. And she knew if she touched the hem of his garment, she would be whole. That's when the power of Christ began to flow. She is Mary, mother of Jesus our Lord, who carried a gift for everyone in the world. She's the one God entrusted with the answer for sin and brought us the Christ, the salvation for man. God still has a message to bring to the lost, and he's looking for someone to carry the cross. She is mother, daughter, sister, friend, you, me, I, am, she.
0: Amen. When God chose to bring the greatest gift ever for mankind, he chose to bring that gift through a woman. When he chose to tell his greatest story, he chose to send that story through a a woman. You mothers, you wear many, many hats. Mom, mama, mother, madre, you wear a lot of different hats as well. You have titles, you have hats. You're the homemaker. You're the teacher. You're the counselor. You're the comforter. You wear so many different titles, so many different hats, but in second Timothy, we see where the apostle Paul is writing to Timothy and he speaks of these superheroes who have made an impact in Timothy's life. Second Timothy chapter one, look at verse number one. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the father in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. The King James says, unfeigned faith that, that faith speaks of, uh, an, without hypocrisy, authentic, genuine. He said, I'm reminded of your genuine sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. The faith that he saw in Timothy, he said, I recognize that you got it from your mother and your grandmother. Now, Paul did not convert Timothy, but Timothy became a spiritual son to the apostle Paul. But he recognizes that the faith that Timothy's life, the foundation that Timothy's life was built upon came from his mother and his grandmother. I bet nearly every single one of us in this room today are here today because of the influence of a mother, a grandmother. Can I get an amen? amen? I know I'm here because of the prayers of a mother, the prayers of grandmothers, the prayer, uh, prayers of a wife that have brought me to where I am today. There's another passage of scripture that I want to take just a moment and I want to read from, and I want to just point out a few observations in Proverbs chapter six begin with verse number 20. Now Solomon is speaking to his son and Solomon is actually, is actually, this is the first sex education, uh, that I'm aware of in the Bible where he is actually giving his son an education about relationships, which is where we should have education about relationships in the home (laughs) from the word of God or in the church Not in kindergarten, Uh, but here Proverbs chapter six says this. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart, fasten them around your neck. And when you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you for this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light and correction and instruction are the way to life. Now, Solomon is giving his son this man-to-man talk, and he begins to give him some things that I think sometimes we might miss, or we might just kind of glaze over. Four simple little observations here about the influence of a mother. And number one is that mothers have a specific role. Solomon told his son, I want you to obey your father's command, but I want to make sure you do not forsake your mother's teaching. Or in the King James, it says, the law of your mother. How many of you know mothers have some laws? My mother had some laws. You know, don't talk with food in your mouth, don't back talk me. <laughs> uh, lots of laws. We have laws. In fact, those laws get so ingrained in us. How many of you ever opened your mouth and heard your mother come out? Yeah. Yeah, we, hear, we start talking, the progressive commercials, you know, becoming your parents. That, that's, that's what happens. And if the parents are doing the job right, then that's what happens. We have an impact. They have an impact upon our lives where we start mimicking them and following in their role model, following in their footsteps. But mothers have a very specific role here where it says obey your father's command, but don't forsake your mother's teaching. In other words, there's kind of a picture here of a father being a little more of a visionary, but the mother having to teach the child how to do it. Now, I'm not saying that mothers can't be visionaries and fathers can't teach. Obviously, there's a lot of. Uh, uh, a crossing over when it comes to roles within the home. But it's very clear that the father has a role and the mother has a role, meaning we need both for solid families. Can I get an amen? We need both a solid father and we need both a solid mother to be able to have the proper impact that every child needs to have. So don't ever think that your role is less than the husband or than the father. No, your role is very specific. Your role is very unique. Your role is very different. It's very separate from your husband's or from the father, but you need to realize that you have a specific role. Number two, don't forsake your mother's teaching. Solomon said to his son, I don't want you to forsake. Don't give up on your mother's teaching. Don't, don't pull away from it. Don't withdraw from it. Why? Because there's a natural tendency for every child to want to try to find their own way and, uh, figure out who they are. Well, you know, the that no one knows you better than your parents. And every one of us that are parents in here, we understand. We know our kids better than they know themselves oftentimes because we've been there and we've done that. We've seen that. We've watched them. We know them. And I know you don't know me only to find out time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. We knew you could have called that a long time ago. Understood that a long time ago. Could have Told you how to avoid those things if you'd have just listen to me. Well, here's Solomon saying, "Son, don't forsake your mother's teaching. She's going to teach you some things. She's going to tell you some things. She's going to show you some things. Don't forsake it. Don't give up on it. Listen to it. Listen to it." And then he said, "This keep her teaching in your heart. Keep her teaching in your heart." He said, "When you walk, it'll guide you. If you keep it in your heart, when you sleep." it'll watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. In other words, make sure you keep this word so ingrained in your heart that you won't forget it. In the Jewish customs, they had what they call phylacteries, where little leather pouches that they would bind around their head or their arm, and they put little pieces of the word of God in there. And They believed that the closer they kept this to themselves, they kept to their, on their arm or bound it around their head, then it would help them obey the law better. That's kind of where Solomon is coming from here. And he's saying, make sure you keep this teaching in your heart, keep it close to you so that you'll listen to it. And sometimes I think young people, we all, we all have been through this. This isn't uh, speaking down on any generation because every one of us have done this where we, we didn't really understand the teaching at the time. It didn't seem to make sense but that's really, it's a whole lot like every aspect of our life. You know, you can read things in the word of God and you think that doesn't really apply to me right now. It doesn't make sense to me right now. But as you get a little bit older, you realize, Oh, that's what that was for. That's why that law was there. That admonition was there. It's a whole lot like, you know, eating healthy, you eat healthy and you don't really feel strength entering through your body as you eat your vegetables. You don't feel your muscles coming alive. No, you just just know that later on you're healthy because you did something right back here. It's the same way with memorizing the word of God. We memorize the word of God. We hide the word in our heart. So why? So that when the day of temptation comes, you have the word inside of you to help you. So you do things back here that will help you down the road. And this is what Solomon was telling his son. Son, listen, this may not make sense to you right now. You may not get it right now, but keep the teaching of your mother. Hide it in your heart, just like we do the scriptures. Hide thy word in my heart so I won't sin against God. He said, keep the teaching in your heart. It'll guide you on the road of life. It will keep you when you have those dark nights. It will be there for you when you need it in the future. And every single one of us could take a great lesson from that. Realizing there are things in this Christian walk that we, we read things in the scriptures or we uh, are taught things in classes in church, and we thought, Why why does that matter now? It'll matter in the future. It'll matter down the road. Hide this word in your heart, keep this teaching in your heart. And here then the fourth thing, the fourth observation is this: this teaching is a light. Correction, and instruction are the way to life. Moms, when you teach your children, You're literally teaching them the way to life. You're teaching them the way to find success in their life. You're teaching them the way to know right from wrong. And one of the things, I don't think it's lost on any of us. We see a blatant attack against the family today in our world. Everything from immorality, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, abortion, juvenile delinquency, sexually transmitted diseases, sex trafficking, abductions, all of that, even... Uh, the killings in, in uh, schools, all of this are plans hatched in hell. And they have two things in common. They're on the rise and they're aimed at destroying the family. All of it. There is a, a, a demonic attack against the family today. And if there's ever been a time when we needed godly mamas to be able to give instruction, to be able to pray, to be able to give that guidance. Now is that time your prayers and your instructions and your teaching matter. So keep on teaching, keep on speaking, keep on praying, keep on being that light that shows the way of life. Musicians will come back. I'm going to stop just a little bit early today, but I want to tell you a story, a story about, a, about a mama by the name of Edith Burns. Edith was from San Antonio, Texas. Edith was a soul winner. She loved to tell people about Jesus. She would start by saying, hi, I'm Edith. Do you believe in Easter? And she would tell the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. She had a doctor, Dr. Will Phillips. And many times when she would go into the waiting room, she would be waiting there. She would strike a conversation with some other patient there in the waiting room. Hi, my name's Edith. Do you believe in Easter? doctor knew Edith, knew of her passion and many times would wait to call her back until she had finished her conversation. And oftentimes until she had led somebody to Jesus. One day he called Edith into the office and he had a heavy heart. She asked him why so downcast doctor. He said, well, your lab results have come back and I I have bad news. You have cancer and you don't have long to live. And she said, well, why is that bad news? Doctor? She said, you've just given me my ticket to heaven. She said, I'm going to, need to see my husband and my friends. And most of all, my Lord and savior, Jesus. Goes, Why is that bad news? I've lived a good life. I'm ready to go to heaven. She walked out of that hospital and allowed him to see a completely different perspective on death. It was around Christmas time, a few weeks, a couple months passed. She began to deteriorate. She came in to see the doctor one more time and he said, Edith, I'm going to have to admit you into the hospital. You're going to need more care. So he admitted her into the hospital, but her request was, would you please make sure you just put me where I can have somebody else in the room so I can tell them about Easter. So he made sure she was in a joining room or she was in a shared room. And in that hospital, she told people about Jesus. Hi, my name is Edith. Do you believe in Easter? She led patients to the Lord. She led nurses to the Lord. But there was one nurse that wasn't having anything to do with it. Her name was Phyllis Cross. Phyllis was a former army nurse, kind of the original GI Jane, just crusty on the outside and hard. Didn't want anything to do with God, Jesus, or religious nuts. So she completely avoided Edith's room. But one particular weekend, all the other nurses were off duty or sick, and she was the only one there, and Edith needed some shots. So she walked in, and Edith said, hello, Phyllis. God loves you, and I love you too, and I'm praying for you. She said, well, it's not going to do any good because I don't believe in that stuff. She said, well, I'll tell you what, Phyllis, I'm I'm praying that God won't take me until you come into the family. Phyllis said, well, you're going to live a long time because I'm never coming in. Guess you're never going to die because I'm not coming in. Well, a couple of days passed and something happened to Phyllis. And one day she's walking past Edith's room and she felt magnetically drawn in. Kind of like we hear stories all the time, people driving down the Hebrews. I just felt like I needed to pull in. And they come in and find Jesus. She felt compelled to go into Edith's room and she went in she sat down on the edge of Edith's bed and Edith said, Phyllis, this is your special day. She tried to push it off. She said, okay, I got a question, Edith. You ask everybody, do you believe in Easter? But you've never asked me why. She said, oh, Phyllis, I've wanted to ask you, but the Lord told me to wait and let you ask me. All right, Edith, tell me about Easter. And Edith told that old army nurse, Phyllis Cross, about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and right there gave her heart to the Lord more days pass. And it's actually Easter Sunday now. She walked in to Edith's room on that Easter Sunday morning. And there she was laying in bed with her Bible open, one finger marking John chapter 14. This is in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And with her other finger, marking another passage in 20, Revelation 21, verse number four. that says, he shall wipe away every tear from my eye and there'll be no pain, no sorrow, no sadness for the former things are passed away. And Edith looked down and realized, or, or Phyllis looked down and realized that Edith had left her a message as she had gone to be with the Lord. She walked out of that room and walked over to the nurse's station where there were two young nurses. She said, ladies, do you believe in Easter? See, this is what I realized. The sincere faith that was in Lois and Eunice that passed on to Timothy, that same faith that made a difference in his life, The same testimony that I bet most of us would have in here today. I know not all of us. Some of you, you're a first-generation believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you have the opportunity to become the one who starts the cycle of blessing in your family. But most would probably say, I had a praying mama, I had a praying grandma who had sincere faith and I'm here because of it. Why? Because there was somebody like an Edith Burns who was bold enough to say, hey, do you believe in Easter? Let me tell you about Jesus. And because of that, somebody found faith in Christ and now they pass it on to somebody else and they passed it on to somebody else. We're here today because of the legacy of people who know about Jesus Christ.